Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Judges, chapter 13. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Judges, chapter 13, continuing in our verse-by-verse study through the book of Judges. Here is the theme verse for the book of Judges. Got a pen? You're going to need it because I got to give you a lot of stuff. The theme verse for the book of Judges is found in Judges chapter 2, verse 19. Of course, you see it reads, it came to pass when the judge was dead that they reverted, the people of God, and behaved more corruptly than their fathers by following other gods to serve them and bow down to them. They did not cease from their own doings, nor from their stubborn way. This is the theme verse for the entire book of Judges. If you've been with us, you know the sin cycle continues. The people turn away from God. Here's a cycle of sin. The people turn away from God. God disciplines them and allows them to go into bondage. The people repent and are delivered by a judge. Now, when you think of a judge, you don't want to think of someone in a black robe sitting behind a big oak bench with a gavel in hand. When you think of judges in the Bible, you want to think of what, saints? A hero, a savior, a deliverer. These are the judges in the Bible. And so the people, when they repent... They are delivered by a judge, a hero, a savior. They are blessed, and the sin cycle begins again. Remember I put it like this. They sin, God sends. They cry, God comes. They sin, God sends. They cry, God comes. They, God sends an oppressor. They sin, God sends an oppressor. They cry out to God. And God sends them a judge. If you understand, say amen. Now, this is important because we see this sin cycle or the cycle of sin seven times in the book of Judges. And so, so far, the judges we have already met, Othniel, Ehud, Shamgar, Deborah, Gideon, Abimelech, Tola. Remember the last time we were together, we talked about Tola, who was the son of Pua, who was the son of Dodo. Remember him? It's in the Bible. You should read it sometime. It's there. And then we met Jair. And then the last time we were together, actually, we met Jephthah, who was the leader of the Tob mob. Remember we talked about that? And Jephthah made a vow to the Lord, if God gave him victory over the Ammonites, that that he would give God the first thing he sees when he's returning from battle, when he's returning from war. The first thing he sees, he says, God, I'll give it to you. 
If you will give me victory over the Ammonites, and God gave him victory over the Ammonites, he's on his way home. He gets to the front yard, and the first thing he sees is his Pentecostal spirit-filled daughter coming out playing the tambourine, enjoying the presence of God. Happy for her father, obviously heard about the victory that he had gotten over the Ammonites, and Jephthah had to keep his vow. Remember we talked about that? He had to keep his vow and offered his daughter to the Lord. That was a particularly fascinating study. And so we talked about that the last time we were together. Tonight, Israel has met its match because as they sin, God sends the oppressor. But the oppressor that God sends tonight is the oppressor of all oppressors, the Philistines. I like to call them the wicked war machine, the Philistines. So tonight we meet our 10th and final judge. God sends the oppressor, the Philistines, and we meet the 10th and final judge. His name is Samson. Judges, chapter 13, beginning in verse 1. Saints, if you're there, say amen. And again, the children, underline this, would you? You're a note taker. You write in your Bibles. Again. The children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord delivered them into the hands of the Philistines for 40 years. We have to stop right there. Here we have the children of Israel again turning away from the Lord and needing to be disciplined by the Lord. And so the Lord allows the Philistines to be their Spanking, his spanking spoon, if you will. I like to affectionately call it to apply the border, the rod of correction to the seat of knowledge. Uh, that's what God is going to do. And for 40 years, the Philistines dominate the people of Israel. A little history about the Philistines. They were originally from the area of Crete. They were a seafaring people who sailed in ships from the Aegean Sea to the Mediterranean coastal area of southern Israel. Today, this area is known as the Gaza Strip. In the Gaza Strip, there are five major cities. During this time, the Philistines were the dominant military force, much like America is today. They were powerful. They were a sophisticated war machine. In fact, when the people of God were leaving Israel, did you know that God didn't want them to go and fight the Philistines? And so he sent them by way of the Red Sea. Did you know? It's in Exodus chapter 13. It reads this. And God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines, lest Perhaps the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. So God led the people around by way of the wilderness of the Red Sea. And the children of Israel went up in orderly ranks out of the land of Egypt. Did you know? God led them through the Red Sea because God did not want them to have to face off with the Philistines. Because they were not ready for that. And God was not ready for them to have to face off with the Philistines. And so he led them through the Red Sea. The Philistines were incredible warriors. They had iron 
weapons and they had iron fighting weapons and all kinds of things. And so these were a pretty fierce bunch. And here they are again doing evil in the sight of the Lord. And what I can see as you look through the book of Judges is that God's judgment and God's oppressors, they get worse and worse and worse to the point where God has to now allow them to be oppressed by the Philistines. And these guys take them through it for 40 years. Now notice in verses in verse 2. Now there was a certain man from Zorah of the family of the Danites whose name was Manoah and his wife was barren and had no children and the angel of the Lord appeared to the, to the woman and said to her indeed now you are barren and have borne no children but you shall conceive and bear a son now therefore please be careful notice what the angel tells her to do be careful not to drink wine or similar drink and not to eat anything unclean for behold you shall conceive and bear a son and no razor shall come upon his head for the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb and he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines and so the woman came and she told her husband saying a man of God came to me and his countenance was like the countenance of the angel of God very awesome honey but I did not ask him where he was from, and he didn't tell me his name. And he said to me in verse 7, Behold, you shall conceive and bear a son. Now drink no wine or similar drink, nor eat anything unclean. For the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the wound to the day of his death. Now notice that. Now we've seen this phrase in verse 3, the angel of the Lord, plenty of times in the book of Judges. And I told you that when you see the phrase, the angel of the Lord, this is what is known in theological terminology as a Christophany. A Christophany is an appearance of Jesus Christ in the Old Testament before the incarnation. So before he came as Jesus of Nazareth or before he came as the babe in Bethlehem, he would appear at various times throughout the Old Testament in the form of an angel. And here the angel of the Lord in appearance of Jesus Christ showed up and appeared to Manoah's wife and said, good news, you are barren, but you shall have a son. Now, I find this interesting if you search the scriptures, when you search the scriptures, let's say that, you will find that God is in the fertility business. Did you know that? And this is one of his specialties, actually. God is into allowing women to conceive who are having problems conceiving. You remember Sarah. She was barren. And you know the story. Sarah was 90 years old. She was no spring chicken She's 90 years old, and she was barren, and what happened? She conceived, and she bore a son, and what was his name, saints? Starts with an I. What was his name? You guys are so smart. Unbelievable. You remember the story. And then, then uh, Hannah, remember Samuel's mother? And then Elizabeth, John the Baptist's mother. All of these women were barren, and yet God caused them 
to have a son. You see, in those days, now remember, you go back to the book of Genesis. You remember in those days when God told, told um, Eve, he said to the woman, you shall be fruitful and multiply. Well, the Jewish people, even to today, take that as a commandment and as an important thing in their culture. If you're Jewish, you know this, that you are to be fruitful and multiply. Because God said that you're to be fruitful and multiply. So if a Jewish woman was unable to get pregnant, this was devastating. This was a huge deal. I mean, today, you know, we've got adoption and we've got all kinds of ways in vitro and fertilization and all of these kind of different things that we do in our culture to have children. But in the Jewish culture, if a Jewish woman could not have children, actually, she was looked at as being cursed by God. So this is very, very important to her psychologically, spiritually, emotionally for her to be able to have children. This is why you see women in the Bible when they begin to cry out to God and they begin to weep and lament because they cannot have children. Very important in those days. So here, so, so, so here we have a woman who was barren and she prays and God gives her a son. Can I say to you, maybe you're here and maybe you're having problems conceiving. It happens. And, and you know what you should do? You should do what the other women in the Bible did. They prayed and asked the Lord. Have you tried that? I wonder. Have you really tried? Maybe you've got family members. Maybe you've got friends who, you know, are barren and they want to have children. Why don't you recommend, hey, why don't you pray? Why don't you ask the Lord? Because he may say, Yes, he may say no, he may say wait, not yet. But this is what the women in the Bible did. They prayed and they asked the Lord. And so the angel appeared to Manoah's wife and told her that she was going to have a son and that she should stay away from wine and strong drink and don't eat anything that's unclean because you're going to have a boy. And he, this boy, is not to get a haircut because he's going to be a Nazarite to God from the womb. And he is going to be the deliverer of Israel from the wicked war machine the Philistines, a Nazarite. What's a Nazarite? Well, the Hebrew word for Nazarite, got a pen, is Nasir. Nasir, N-A-Z-I-Y-R. It literally means consecrated. It means devoted one. It means separated. Now, we won't take the time to look at it tonight, but in Numbers chapter 6, verses 1 through 6, lays it all out as to what it means to be a Nazarite. And what is required for those who take the vow? Three things are required to be separated, to be a devoted one, to be a Nazarite. Number one, a Nazarite was to abstain from cutting their hair. A Nazarite couldn't grow, a Nazarite had to grow long hair. He could not cut his hair. And you might remember, fast forward to the New Testament. Remember when Paul said it was a shame for men to have long hair? Well, he wasn't saying that long hair is bad or long hair is wrong or if a man has long hair, that's a problem. I know many denominations taught that for many years. 
that if you were a man and you had long hair, you were evil and ungodly. That's not what Paul was talking about at all. He was simply making the point that as men, men were required to work. And if you had long hair, it would hinder you from doing your job or hinder you from working. And therefore, you shouldn't have long hair. But a Nazarite, on the other hand, he was required to let his hair grow because he was a Nazarite. Now, everybody else, it implies that everybody else would have probably looked more like me. Short hair or no hair at all. And so men didn't have long hair in the Bible, but a Nazarite did. It was an outward sign of dedication to the Lord. Secondly, a Nazarite was also not to touch a corpse or not to touch a dead body, or not to touch a carcass. Uh, a, a Nazarite was to avoid any contact with the dead. And thirdly, a Nazarite was to abstain from drinking wine or strong drink. According to number six, and you'll take a look at it later, to be sure you didn't get tempted, God even went one step further and said, I don't want you to drink wine or strong drink. I don't even want you to be around a vineyard. I don't even want you to eat grapes. God says, I don't want you to do anything that's going to possibly stumble you. Grapes, raisins, vineyards, none of these things, because you know how we like to justify things. And if we want to have a little wine, well, God, I just happened to be in the vineyard. And I crushed some grapes, and boy, you know, I let it ferment. And before you know it, God, I was drunk. I don't know how it happened. And see, God knows that. And so God says, no, stay away from everything. Don't even tempt yourself with it. Don't get near it. Don't know near beer. Which, what is up with near beer anyway? I, I've heard of it. I haven't tasted it. All right. But, you know, none of that. God does not want nothing. You see, God is saying when you're in the place, basically God's saying this. When you're in the place of dedication and consecration, I don't want you to be confused because of intoxication. Don't get drunk. Don't have anything like that because you're a Nazarite. Samson will be a Nazarite. And notice this, because some people in the Bible were Nazarites for a certain period of time. Six months was generally the time frame, six months to a year. Not Samson. He was a Nazarite. Did you get that? From his mother's womb until when? Till he died. God called him from his mother's womb until he died. And here spiritually, uh, the same is true for us. And it really doesn't have anything to do with cutting your hair and, and, and drinking strong drink and, and all, which, you know, I don't recommend y'all be getting drunk. You, you understand? Say amen. But, but, but what we are to do is we're to be separated ones. We are to be consecrated. We are to be devoted. And we are to avoid anything that's going to cause a stumbling block or cause anything that's going to keep us separate from God, whatever it might be. So in many respects, we too are called to be Nazarites from the day we are born again until the day we die. Amen, saints? And that's important for you to understand. Look, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with drinking alcohol. If you drink wine with dinner, you know, there's some cultures I've traveled around the world. I know. I remember some years ago I was in Budapest and we we're in a hotel lobby. and There's a bunch of pastors and a couple Calvary Chapel pastors. And a lady came around with the wine bottle. 
Because in Hungary, people drink wine like they drink water. I mean, really. Matter of fact, you're kind of strange if you don't drink wine. So we're sitting around with a bunch of pastors. A lady comes around with a wine bottle, and she says, would you like a glass of wine? And I'm sitting, you know, I'm just fresh out of America, you know what I mean? And I'm just like, uh, no, none for me, thank you. You know, all the other pastors say, fill her up. I was like, what's up with you guys? I mean, and we're sitting there like, Jesus loves the world and studying Greek and all this. And then they're like, I'm like, this is weird, dude, because I'm not used to that. Because I'm, I'm used to, hey, in this country, as a pastor, it can be a stumbling block if you drink and, and those kinds of things. And, you know, what you do in your house with your family and your wife, that's between you and the Lord. But I'm just saying we need to be considerate to one another, and we need to be considerate and most certainly honor the call of God in our lives and be, um, and be above reproach. And be above reproach. I don't have any problem with wine, but if I was sitting in a, in, a, in, a, in a restaurant with my wife and, you know, somewhere here in the triangle and, you know, nowadays I got to be on my best behavior because a lot of people know me now. So it used to be I could do what I wanted, but now I've got to, you know, I, now I've got to be like all Christian. And so, you know, I got to be a pastor. And so, you know, if I'm out and, you know, and I'm, I'm having dinner with my wife and somebody walks up and says, hey, Pastor Rodney, you know, I got a glass of wine there, you know, bottle of Ripple or something, you know. And uh, y'all don't go to those kind of restaurants, I know, but, you know, it's where we go, they serve Ripple. I mean, what do you want me to tell you? And uh, Moonshine and, and, and uh, you know, Boone's Farm and all, all them cheap ones, y'all know what I'm talking about. You in church, I know, but... Are y'all so spiritual? Y'all say, we don't know anything about that, Pastor. Okay. And, uh, but, you know, be a good witness and be above reproach, and, and that's the important thing here. So in many respects, we are Nazarites also. Notice in verse 8, then Manoah, he prayed to the Lord and, and said, Oh, my Lord, please let the man of God whom you sent come to us again. And this is fascinating and teach us what we shall do for the child who will be born. Would you underline that? And God listened to the voice of Manoah, and the angel of God came to the woman again as she was sitting in the field, but Manoah, her husband, was not with her. And then the woman ran in haste and told her husband and said to him, Honey, look, the man who came to me the other day has just now appeared to me again. So Manoah arose and he followed his wife. And when he came to the man, he said to him, are you the man who spoke this to, spoke to this woman? And he said, I am. Isn't that great? Uh, Christophany, I think we talked about, an appearance of Jesus in the Old Testament. And here this angel of the Lord, it was, it was an exodus. Moses said, God, who shall I say sent me? And he said, what saints? I am that I am. And let me tell you something. That is why they wanted to kill Jesus. Oh, by the way, they wanted to kill Jesus because he claimed to be the great I am. And people, oh, I'm God. Jesus never claimed to be God. Yeah, he did. Over and over and over and over and over again. And this is why they wanted to kill him, because he claimed to be the I am. And no one, far no one, would ever dare, no Jew would ever dare speak from his lips, I am. They wouldn't even say it. And Jesus, over and over, he says, I am the good shepherd. 
I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by me. Mary, Martha, I am the resurrection and the life, and he who believes in me shall never die. Over and over and over and over and over and over and over again, he would say, I am. Here we have this angel of the Lord saying, he's the I am. Amen, saints? Boy, I could preach all night on that, but I got to move on. And look at verse 12. So Manoah said, now, now let your words come to pass. What will be the boy's rule of life and his work? Underline that. So the angel of the Lord said to Manoah, of all that I said to the woman, let her be careful. These are fascinating verses. I'll tell you about it in just a second. Of all that I said to the woman, let her be careful. She may not eat anything that comes from a vine, nor may she drink wine or a similar drink, nor eat anything unclean. All that I've commanded her, let her observe. Stop right there. Give me your attention. Notice when Manoah's wife told him all that happened, it's very possible that Manoah didn't believe his wife or Manoah didn't really listen to his wife. Now, I, I hate it when this happens, when I have to preach to myself. I hate it when that happens, but it is true. It is true. Okay, ladies, here you go. Women are more spiritual than men. There, I said it. I got it out. Didn't know how I was going to do it today, but I did. Thank you, Lord. That's very, very true. Women, all the ladies are like, that's right. That's what I've been telling him. He's not listening to me. <laughs> the ladies are like, yeah, I'm liking this already. I'm liking this. Women generally, you know, fellas, let me just say, women generally are more spiritual and have a spiritual sensitivity that men generally do not have. And, and, and women are generally the ones really hearing from the Lord, and oftentimes the fellows are clueless. You see, men, we tend to be more logical. And don't misunderstand me, I don't think there's anything wrong with this, but, I, but we tend to be a little more logical. We tend to be um, ones who, who, who would look to reason, we tend to be ones who would look to, you know, well, does this make sense? That kind of thing. Where women generally are just very spiritual. I mean, statistically, it's true. And I've read this before. Statistically, more women come to church without their husbands than husbands without their wives. Women are usually the ones who find the church that the family are going to go to. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light. Let me be a salt.